you'll go with me to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it'll be our text for today. The title of our message today is The Grace of God's Gift. A lot of times we get involved with gift giving, we get involved with picking the right gift for the right person for the right time in their life, and, and there's a lot of things that go and that are involved in giving the right gift, the good gift, right? I mean, we're thinking about it. What makes a great gift, right? What is it that makes a great gift? Well, I, I break it down to four basic things here. The thought, you know, it's the thought that counts, right? You know, when you care enough to give the very best, you know that as what? Hallmark, right? You know, that everybody looks at the back of the card. You know, that's what guys do, by the way. Guys will do that. Oh, it's a beautiful card, beautiful card, wonderful card. And we just look at the back where the price is on it. You know, it's the thought that counts, right? So we look back at that barcode in the back and go, oh, okay. That's why the dollar store is my best friend, right? Right, dollar 25 store now, right? So, but then the other thing is usefulness. It ain't any good if you're not going to use it. Oh, thanks for that juicer, right? Thanks for the apple core, you know, that I use twice. Uh, can you think of, can anybody think of any gift that they've gotten that, I mean, if the person's not in the room here. Can, can, can anybody think of a gift that you've gotten that was kind of uh, lame? Can anybody think of anything? Anybody? Nobody? Oh, no, really? Oh, wow. It's like the gift that keeps on giving and giving and giving, right? All right, the scarf that came back to you, that came back to haunt you, right? All right, well, you know, usefulness is a big thing. And then, um, of course, durability. We want something to last. We don't want something that's going to break in a moment. I used to get those models and when I was a kid with that glue, you know, and you glue them together. Well, they had something before, before you graduated to the glue models. They were the snap-tight models. You snapped them together. And they never worked right. There's always a fender that would fall off. There was always a door that would be hanging off. And my favorite was a Dukes of Hazard car, you know. It still had the Confederate flag on top. That's back when it was okay, right? Um, but my, my Dukes of Hazard car, the door fell off, the fender fell off, tire fell off. Man, it looked like they'd, after they did one of those big old jumps, right? Um, and, and, you know, you think, man... If it could just be something that is not going to break down. So durability is another factor. And then finally, cost. You say, well, uh, you know, we're not worried about cost too much when the thought's there and the usefulness is there and the durability is there and cost is there. But the gifts cost something. And in the gift of God and his love for us, it cost him everything. It cost him his son. And it cost him, it cost him blood, sweat, and tears. And not from just the time of the, cro the cross, not just the time of the cradle, but the conception of making man after his own image and giving him free wills to so that he could love him. And yet knowing, knowing that man would choose sin over a savior. That broke God's heart. But God, in his own infinite and divine love, still created man. And in creating him, giving him free moral agency over his life. 
knew that he would fail and fall and need salvation. And the Bible says in, in Revelation 13, it says that he was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus raised his hand throughout the halls of time and said, I'm willing to be the gift of Christmas. I'm willing to be that person, that go-between, to be the one to, to die on the cross, to be born to die, to be the only king that was born a baby. There's been a lot of kings that were babies first, but there was only one king, praise God, that was a baby. So we're going to look this morning, I want to look at our text verse for the first thing here, and um, go to the next slide. Today's text is found over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, and it says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, for my sake, for all y'all's sakes, right, became poor, that ye might through his poverty might be rich. I want to take, I want to I push aside this morning all the story of Christmas and go behind the scenes. I want to go behind the scenes of a manger scene. I want to go behind the scenes of the clouds of heaven and go to the mind and the heart of God and how he saw the need for grace. See, we, we know grace as social grace, when someone acts the part. We, know some, uh, we even know people of saying grace. But there's an important grace that we need to know, and that's saving grace. And sustaining grace. That only God, God in his infinite wisdom, so that he loved the world that he gave. He gave the gift of grace to us today. And we have it from 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years before that, Abraham was put on trial with his son. And the knife was raised. And it was going down and God said, stop, behold, there is a lamb. And the lamb was provided. The lamb is provided today. 2,000 years later, skip 2,000 uh, years later, and God provided himself a lamb. And some 2,000 years today of this date that we see, 2,000 years after Jesus has come, God has still provided himself a lamb, a gift that get, keeps on giving. That's what it's about today, grace. The good, the good gift of God's grace today. If we could just pull back the poinsettias and move past the manger, we would see first and foremost it was a, the mind and heart of God in which he gave his only begotten son. So let's look today as we look at this verse. For we know the grace, we know it, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was rich. Notice that part. Yet for your sakes became poor. Second thing that ye through his poverty might be rich. We're rich today because of his grace. Not because of what you got for Christmas, not because you've been born in America, not because you have privilege beyond measure and freedom in this country. We are blessed today because of the grace of a heavenly father who has shown it through his son on the cross of Calvary, but before that in a manger scene that we enjoy today. Going to the next thing here we see on the slide, we, we see, go to the next one. Is it froze? It doesn't work? Uh-oh, we're in trouble. All right, 
I want to I look first off. Jesus is rich. Jesus is rich for several reasons. You know, if you think about Solomon for a moment, Solomon, uh, the Queen of Sheba went to go visit Solomon, and when she came back, she says, the half has not been told of the wealth and wisdom of Solomon. And Hebrews says, a greater one than Solomon is here, and that's Jesus. A greater one, the one who made all the poetry and made all the things that Solomon would ever think to write about. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7 and 8, it says, For unto us a child is born, and for unto us a son is given, and the government... And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of his increase of his government. And peace, there shall be no end. There's no end to the government and the goodness and the grace of our Lord and Savior, of our God who loves us. Jesus was rich first in his person. In his person. He is the everlasting father. You say, Jesus is the father? Yes, because when, when the disciples ask, show us the father, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. You need no, not look any further than myself to see God. The only God that we can see, the only God that we can see, see was one who came in a manger 2,000 years ago, who born to die for our sins. This person of Jesus Christ, the person of God personified in a, in a man, in a manger. All of eternity, in Colossians it says that he created all things and all things by him and for him and consists from him were made because of the one born funneled down into one small little baby with ten fingers and ten toes that scooped out the heavens and spoke into existence all things richly for him to enjoy. And he came in a manger. This person, rich, abundantly, not only rich in, in his person, but in his position. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful and Counselor. This, this, is, this is a God who, who doesn't have hard days, Right? Our God doesn't have things that are hard for him. His go the government of God is peace. It's ease. It's, he's the wonderful counselor. He's that mighty. He's the everlasting father. But praise God, there is nothing too hard for my God. Yet when he came into bodily form, he cried. He learned. You know the only thing that God ever learned? Because I told you once before, and I lied to you. Well, you say, I got your attention by when I said that. But, uh, I said that God never, God never needed to learn anything. He did in Jesus. The Bible says he had to learn obedience. Before, he never had to. But his whole life, our Lord's life, he just said, I obey the Father. I'm not here to do my will, but thy will be done. He learned obedience. In his position, not only his position, but in his power. The mighty God, bending rivers at his will and just saying it and speaking it. He left that place of, cre of creative power behind. That's a mighty thing. And then his possessions also. Of the increase of his government, peace, there shall be no end. When you have peace in your life, what, what does peace look like in a person's life today? 
It looks that you have all your ducks in a row. You've got everything worked out. That's when we really have peace. Peace is the ultimate form of maturity in the Christian. Do you know that? When someone's at peace, that means they know how to forgive people. They know to be content in whatever state they are to be content, as Paul said. Peace is, that, is the ultimate gift that's given by, to mature Christians. You see an immature Christian, they're always, they're always at unrest. They're always aching and yearning and wanting more. And, and, and you see this with God. God's government is peace, and it has no end. He is powerful, and his possessions are limitless. He does own the cattle on a thousand hills. And God, in the form of Jesus, said, I'll go and give it all up. I'm, I'm willing to give it all up because of the so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's the key here this morning. It isn't in the manger. It isn't even at the cross. It comes because of first and foremost that my Lord, my Lord loved me so much that he said, I so loved you that I want to prove it. And he proved it by giving his son, even before time began. So grace, grace here. You know, I, I think of a story about a, a man who, uh, 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 a man, he gave his parents a microwave. They never had one before. Boy, they thought they were hot stuff in that microwave. They, you know, they, they got that microwave in the mail, op uh, on the, you know, and opened it up, and they saw that there's a microwave, and now they get to keep up with the Joneses with this microwave. Well, the, the, the smiles turned to frown all of a sudden because they opened the microwave and read the in detailed instructions, and they realized they didn't know how to boil water. And so the son called and said, did you get my gift? Did you get it? Yes, we got it, son. Did you, did you read the instructions? Uh, yes, we did. So how's the food taste? Well, you know, we can't get it to work. We'd rather, in, rather than the instructions, we'd rather have the son come and show us how to work the machine. Show us how to work it. You know, and see, in life, that's the way it is. Would you rather have the someone give you directions or would you rather have the person get in the car with you see I I think I think to myself that when God has come to us he didn't just give us detailed instructions uh, to work through a complicated life he said I'm coming with you Emmanuel God with us he left everything to be your everything that's our text verse here he is he is he has become he has left everything to be our everything. Not, not only the glorious possessions, but the great poverty that we see. He, and back to our text verse, it says, for your sakes he became poor. He didn't become poor for no reason. He came poor for our sakes. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to steal this from uh, what was said earlier. Uh, boy, I'm a lion and I'm a thief now this morning, all right? I already lied, now I'm going to steal. All right. So I got an altar call coming up, so we'll be ready. 
But Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 through 8, it says, Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant and made himself in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He became poor in his person. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. Of no reputation. I can understand death or, or dust wanting to be deity, but not deity wanting to be dust. Right? The infinite becoming an infant. All of time, all the one who created time itself, came. the timeless one comes at the fullness of time to be born. To be born in a lowly stable where there was no room for him in the end. Question is, is there room for him today in our hearts? The person he made himself to be was poor. In a row between two towns, Mary, Mary was failing the labor pains that come with the onset of birth of a baby. Not only in the person, but the position. He took upon himself the form of a servant. Jesus was the sovereign who came, became that servant. We know with the disciples, when, when the disciples were getting ready to um, have, have supper with, with the Lord, if you remember, Jesus took off his robe and put on a servant's robe and began to wash their feet. Peter would have nothing to do with it. I won't have you wash my feet. And you don't understand my plan. This has been my plan from the very beginning. I'm your teacher, your master, your rabbi. I've been everything to you. But now I have to take that robe off and wash your feet. Those same feet that have trod through the steps of Jerusalem and Judea and all the uttermost parts. Those feet that are dirty and clay-ridden. Yes, I'm washing those feet. The dirtiest part of what you can see on a man is what I'm going to wash today. Because that's why I came, to wash the dirtiest part of what you can't see inside of a man. He became poor today. He put on the servant robe. He was poor in his person, in his position, and not only those two, but also in his power. In his power, being found and fashioned as a man. He never laid aside his deity which was his spiritual DNA, where he came from. But he laid aside the power of that deity. When he did miracles, according to John chapter 5 and verse 15, he didn't, get, he didn't do his miracles in his own power, but of the power the Father gave to him. The one who gave the orders now was taking orders. The only thing ever in history God learned was obedience, Hebrews 5 and 8. I think some of us need to learn a little obedience, right? You know, we get a little bit rebellious. It's hard. Our power, we become powerless because we don't follow God. Our prayer life becomes empty because we don't follow God. God, God can, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, amen? And it's because he is our Lord. And so today, the power of God is, is not come because we assent to be something more than we are, but to, but to bow our knee to the one 
who came and to be a servant to all mankind, to become one of us, God with us, God amongst us, the only 200% man God who ever lived. See, I'm only 100% man. But God was 200%. Say, how is that possible? Because he was all God and all man. And he says, I won't. I won't go there because my hand, I cannot use my supernatural deity to, to uh, walk through this world because then people will have excuse. People will then say, well, I, he was able to conquer sin because of all the deity of who he was. He cried, he grieved, he hurt, he suffered like no man had ever suffered before, all in the form of a man like you and I. And not only in that power, our Lord lived out the Beatitudes of being poor and meek and hungered, but also in every possession that he had, every possession. He was born in a barn, preached from a borrowed boat, paid taxes from money um, from a fish's mouth. Birds and nests and foxes had holes, but the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. He borrowed a donkey for his triumphal entry, and he laid himself in a borrowed tomb. How's that for having it all? He had nothing to show for his deity when he came. But when he left, praise God. That's what, I, that's what I call you to today. I pray that you've come here today have, having, you have a lot of things on your plate. But I pray that you can lay those things aside and, and fill yourself up with the, the treasures, not of earthen vessels, but the treasures that God would give. You know, he had, all, he had no possessions to speak of. The Bible says in Isaiah 40 and verse 17 that he, it says that I am poor and needy. In, in looking at Jesus, he was comely in appearance. He was, he was, he, there was nothing to be attracted to Jesus by his looks. And yet we see all these pictures. We even have pictures of him with a you know, dinner plate behind his head. You know, it's that, They try to put that glory thing around him and all that. Jesus didn't walk around like that, did he? Right? In fact, when Judas went to go betray Jesus, he had to point him out. Nobody knew who he was. He had no form of comeliness um, about him. Nothing to look at him and say, look at that guy. He must be somebody special. Because he wanted, he wanted people to look at us and say, there's nothing special about them other than he, I live in here. I live in him. So this morning, as we look behind the scenes, we look behind the scenes at the glorious possessions that our Lord and Savior has in his person, in his position and power and possessions. We can truly see today that he gave all that up freely because of his love for us. Christmas could not be Christmas today without that. Let me ask you this. Let's go to your birthday for a moment. What would your birthday mean without his birthday? Huh? What would it mean? It mean that you're one step closer to death, hell, and the grave. Without Jesus' birth, 
Without his first birthday, your birthdays would be a gnawing reminder of the punishment that you would have to face. See how important that first birthday was? The firstborn among many brethren? That's Jesus. That's our Lord. Amen. So he was was also poor, but he also paid the great price. And we see a gracious provision. Ye through his poverty might be rich in our text verse. His gracious provision. You want to know how much you have? Add up all the things that money can't buy and death can't take away. Right? What do you got in your arsenal of possessions, in your riches, that money can't buy and death can't take away? I guarantee you it's, it's probably because God gave it to you. Amen? Because of his grace. Romans Romans says, I've given you my son. In Romans chapter 8, he says, I've given you my son. What's to stop me from giving you everything else? I love that. Right? What's to stop, what's to stop me, God the Father, who loves you so much, gave you the, the precious gift of my son? What's to stop you from what's to stop me from giving you everything else? Now I ask you today. Do you see the provision of God in what he has given? Why Christmas? You know, he wanted to make you rich. Life and life more abundantly, the Bible says. Amen? The devil comes to steal and to kill. He's the Grinch, right, in our story. You know, he's the mean one, Mr. Satan. But, you know, when the Grinch went down to the town and stole all of the Christmas stuff, and they still sang like Paul and Silas in the jail cell. And they still had joy because of the rich blessings of each other and having each other. What's the story in that? That we are not a product of the consumption of all the things in our life. We are the product of the grace that God has blessed us with. The giver of that grace. God the Father through his Son. And now his spirit lives within us. He told a church that was rich in the world they were poor. They were poor in the next, in Revelation 3, 17. They had lost their first love. You want to know how much you have and adding up all those things that money can't buy. So understand this today. God is a creator. He makes something out of nothing, right? Until you admit you're nothing, he can't make something out of your life. Until you admit you're nothing without him. Blessed are the poor in what? Spirit. In spirit. We share with Jesus the riches first of his person. We are, uh, Ephesians um, 1 and 6, it says we are accepted in the beloved. What's the beloved? Do you remember when Jesus was baptized? The, probably the, the hallmark moment of Jesus' beginning of his ministry, uh, we see a dove descending, and the form, uh, God in the form of a dove, the Spirit in the form of a dove, coming down upon Jesus. And the voice from heaven, we see all the Trinity together, and we hear the voice of God saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am what? Well pleased. That a boy. We're, the Bible says we are accepted into that belovedness. The same 
The same word is used with Jesus and how proud God was with his son is used to us. And because of that extension of grace, we are now in Christ. We can't, they, God cannot see our sin. He can't see our mess. He only sees his son. I'm accepted into his beloved. That same beloved that spoke from heaven and says, I am, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. He says that of his children. What great joy it is when uh, Christmas morning and when that tree is full and, you know, um, we've got the gifts under the tree and you wake up in the crack of dawn. And, you know, when you're a kid, Christmas is awesome. And then you get to be a teenager and you get socks and underwear and it quits being awesome. Right? It's just like, oh, man. And then you get your first job and it's horrible because you're expected to pay for some of this stuff for other people. But then you get kids of your own. You get children of your own. And it gets more awesome than when you were a kid. Why? Because God puts something in you that loves to give to children. To the children you love. And do you think God in heaven has that same quality in his heart? That he loves to put you in the beloved pocket of where his son is. He loves that. That's my boy. That's my girl. Christmas is coming. And Christmas can be every day for us because we are in Christ. We are in him. Christ massively moving. That Christ mass. That's what it is. He's come into our hearts. And we are in Christ. And when you are in Christ, you are beloved of him. Amen? His precious provision. Because he was born. Because he died. And because he lives again today to be that gift that is the thought. Amen. He is the thought that counts. Amen. He is durable. He paid the cost. Amen. He'll never wear out. You know, that's what he is. Now, understand this. Not only his person, Jesus' prayer. By the way, Jesus' prayer in John chapter uh, 17, it says that, Father, let them know. That you love them as much as you love me. Can we even fathom that for a minute? Let's stop the bus here for a second. Can we even picture that today? That God so loves us as much as he loves his only son. Why else would he give his only son? See, for a stranger, we're not going to give our children, amen? For an enemy, for even a friend, we may not. Just say, sorry, buddy. Maybe it's your time anyway. We'd say just, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't negate God's will in this. Maybe it is your time to die. You know, we'd always throw a pull, pull card like that, wouldn't we? God said, no, no, no. I would have died for one of them. For God so loved us. Not only that, but in the position we share with Jesus the riches of his position. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, let's go back one slide. We share, we share his position. If you are in the middle of a boat in the Pacific Ocean, a lot of people would say, well, I'm in a boat. No, you're in the Pacific Ocean. You just have to be a bo in a boat in the Pacific Ocean. Right? 
Think, think a little bigger than your life right now. I'm in the midst of this problem. No, you're in the vast ocean of God, God's care and God's love, right? God has, you're in a position right now. The Bible says over in Ephesians 2, it says, even when we were dead in sins, yet he quickened us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you're saved. And hath raised us up together to sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Next slide. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Pressed down and shaken together. I told you the story of my grandpa. He owned a store. He owned a little country store out out in Gridley, California, called King's Market. And he had an old peanut machine. You guys know what those are, roasted peanuts, kind of like the popcorn machine, but there were peanuts in it. And he'd give customers, he'd have a bag of peanuts and dump them in there. And when customers came, they paid for it. Each time they came in, they had to pay for that bag of peanuts. And even though they paid for it, he went and stuffed it full. But when his grandson came in, who he loved to spoil when he was a kid, he would press it down and shake it together. I was his, I was his kid that he wanted to spoil. And I didn't have to pay a cent. He treated me better than the people who were paying customers in that store to come get a little blessing. And he pressed it down and shook it together, get more peanuts into that bag. how God wants to bless your life he said I gave you my son what else do I have to show you that I want to press down and shake together all the blessings down into your life but we live in a life we live in a world where we make it all about the tinsel we make it all about the telling of the Christmas story but you know it's really about the grace in which God gives the behind the scenes look the position Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians that he, uh, when he was in prison, this very thing, that I'm here in this world, but I am cared by the covering of God. He says, in the kindness towards uh, us through Christ Jesus, exceedingly riches. A prison epistle, and he writes, I'm exceedingly rich. Man, I'm in the boat of tribulation, but I am in the sea of God's love. Amen? And no worry, because the wind may blow, but it's going to blow me to the shores of home one day. Amen? We're going home one day, and I'm praising the Lord for that. The person and the position and the power that God has dwells in me. The Bible says this, that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. They that wait upon the Lord shall be renewed with strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not weary. They shall walk and not faint. No matter how I travel through this life, I know that God will be my strength in each step of the way. He's there. He's the power that strengthens me. And I'm telling you today, every breath I get, every time I, I sit up and lay down, every time it's because God has given me that breath. Everybody take a big breath in. Now say, thank God. Now let it out. Do it again. Now say, thank God. Amen. You've been given two gifts by God just now. Amen. Amen. Mark Twain said, you know, a, mir a tree is just a miracle we got used to. Amen. And I'm telling you, 
The power of God lives in you each and every day. That person, that position, that power, and the possessions that God has. We are heirs with the king. But not only that, we're joint heirs with him if we suffer with him. You know, that, that's the misnomer in all this. That one day we'll get to heaven. Like the Remember the prodigal son when he came home? He says, maybe I'll just come home and then I'll kind of slide in and dad won't notice me. I'll just kind of slide in and become one of the servants because at least the servants had it better than I got it right now. I'm eating the hog, from the hog pen. Unbeknownst to him, dad would have been waiting every day for his son to come home. For his son to come home. I'm waiting, boy. Where'd you go? I don't care if you change your, your, your name. I don't care if you spend everything on riotous living. I don't care what you've done. But that's grace, isn't it? I'll love you anyway. That's what grace says. Grace says, I'll love you anyway. And when he came home, he didn't ask any questions about where he'd been and where his wealth was, what the rags were that he wore. He just grabbed hold of him and hugged him and gave him the best robe and the best calf and said, let's have a party because my son is home. That's a God who's waiting for us. That's a God who's ever available, closer than any brother, the lifter of our head. The possessions we have, joint heirship with him. We can be like the prodigal son and come home this Christmas, or we can be like the protocol son of the brother who belly ached and cried because he didn't get his. He didn't get the same level of, of lathering of love like his little brother did. What he didn't realize, the older brother didn't realize that he was a joint heir to his father's wealth. That anything his father had, he had. And be wine and bellyache. You know, Christmas time is, tis the season to wine and bellyache. La, 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 la. Right? It's, we hear a lot of wine and bellyaching during this time of year. Right? I mean, look at Thanksgiving. The day after Thanksgiving, we're so thankful at Thanksgiving. And then the day after Thanksgiving, we got to go line up somewhere. To get all the stuff we don't have, right? Well, we do it online now, right? But you get the point. We are powerful. We are people of God. We are we possess the things of God. You know, I, I was I was reminded of a story of a man who was crying, and um, the paper said that uh, Bill Gates had died. And the other man said, why are you crying? You're not related to him. The first man said, well, that's why I'm crying. Maybe you don't get the point. We inherit. We inherit the kingdom. We are king's kids. Amen? It's time we act like it. It's time we turn our frown upside down, not be like old Charlie Brown, right? It's time we stop living defeated life yes our boat may be rocky but we're in the waters of his will sailing on the sailing by the winds of his will I want to ask you this question today um, grace 
Grace caught you not, cost you nothing, yet cost Jesus everything. Amen? Amen. But do nothing with his grace. Do nothing of his grace, and it will cost you everything. Let me say this again to you as we prepare a song and ready to sing. Grace cost you nothing, yet cost Jesus everything. But doing nothing with his grace we spoke of today will cost you everything. Talk about having a bummer of a Christmas. Hearing the message today of the grace, the unmerited favor of God coming down uh, to you. The Father of lights, the Bible says. Every Christmas light that shines in the sky, every light that's being hung, think of it as a Father of lights loving on you, giving you warmth and direction for a life that you need to follow him in the darkness. Imagine Christmas without Christmas. It would just be another wintry month to trudge in. Amen? But now we have great joy. We see, we see trees and we see all the other things lit up. But think about it for the reason it is. It's because of a Savior who died. Who Savior who came to die. And a God who loves us with an unmatched, everlasting love. So I ask you this. What does grace mean to you today? Does it mean forgiving someone who may be sitting right next to you? Does it mean asking God to to show up in a mighty way in your prayer request that you've been hurting and harboring for oh so long a time. Don't be like Pharaoh and spend another night with frogs. Don't be like anyone else and compare yourself to someone else and say, well, I don't have it as bad as that person. You got it bad if you don't have the grace of God in your life. And I hope and pray that you can today. As we, as we stand and get ready to sing today, I don't know where your heart is, but I know where it needs to be. It needs to be found in the center of God's will with him. Let's go to God in word prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much, dear Lord, for this time together, for your grace that's unmerited. Lord, we, we did not do anything to deserve it, but in the fullness of time, you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. Grace is the backstory of the believer. It is the backbone of the believer. It is the place in which we are blessed as a believer. Everything that we have is because of the unmerited favor that you have provided. The breath, the breath we breathe today has been given to us by grace. We thank you, dear Lord, for this time together, for the opportunity of knowing that you left riches of heaven came to be a, a, in poverty, Lord, to give us the riches that you left. We thank you, dear Lord, for allowing us the, the privilege of being in your house, for being your children. But if there's someone here today that doesn't know you in the free pardon of sin, that this would be the best Christmas they've ever had because they have trusted in you as Savior and Lord, I pray that this is the, their first Christmas with grace. Pray this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.